Hey there, I'm Matt Walker, the host of the Choir Director Corner podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I'm so excited you are here. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about a one-of-a-kind online resource for choir directors, and it's called the Choir Director Corner Community Membership. This membership was designed to give you the training, the resources, the support, and the community you need to be successful in your teaching. Inside the membership, you'll find online courses, which will help you polish your current skills, as well as learn some new strategies and techniques, a PDF resource library with over 50 PDFs and Google Docs that you can use in your daily teaching and workflows, monthly collaboration calls where you can ask questions, get feedback, and collaborate with choir directors just like you, and access to our recommended repertoire videos and repertoire lists. There's even a private Facebook group which gives you another place online to collaborate with other choir directors and ask questions. Being a choir director doesn't have to be a DIY endeavor. It's so much better when it's done together. So head on over to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership and join us in the Choir Director Corner community membership. Again, that's choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. All right, on with today's episode. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Choir Director Corner Podcast. My name is Matt Walker. I am your host. Thanks so much for stopping by and joining me for today's episode. And in today's episode, a shorter episode, but I wanted to get it out there because I think this could be a valuable strategy and technique for you to use in your choir rehearsals, is the idea of using stations in your choir rehearsal. Now, I came across this idea the other day when I was thinking about when my kids were little, in preschool, kindergarten, first grade, and every day I would ask them, you know, what was one of their, what were their favorite parts of their day that day. And almost every single day, one of the things that would come up was uh, the idea of stations. Now, this goes by many names, sometimes stations or free choice or centers, right? But it was this idea that there were multiple activities that they could do in a particular amount of time. So there's always a wide variety of things. And both of my kids, they really seem to enjoy that they could go uh, back and forth. And they also had some, some choice, some autonomy in that process. That was part of it too, I think. But certainly the variety of different things that they could do uh, in that time. That was uh, one of the, the big positives that came out of that, and why it was always one of their favorite things every single day. And, you know, I was talking about it uh, with my daughter recently, and I started thinking, well, how could I use stations with my current students as a productive strategy and also a way to sort of change things up a little bit? 
And so I started brainstorming and came up with some ideas uh, as to how to use this. And I think there's a number of reasons why stations could be particularly useful in your choir rehearsal. So number one, at the beginning of the year, when you need to collect and also deliver information uh, to and from your singers. So definitely at the beginning of the year, this could be uh, a valuable strategy, a productive strategy. Number two, I think it's a way that we could include assessment or some pre-assessment uh, as a tool in our rehearsals. It's a great way to incorporate that. It's sort of a, a way where um, it's not quite such a scary sort of uh, uh, thing either. And I'll get to that in just a second. Number three, it can be something that is productive while you are doing something else with a certain number of singers. So maybe uh, you're doing some sectionals or maybe you're doing some voice placements, right? This is a great way to uh, help the other singers while they're not singing with you to be productive productive, right? And also to keep them on task too. So it's kind of a help with classroom management as well. Number four, it's a strategy when you need to accomplish several different tasks in one rehearsal. You might just get to the point where just like, I have all these things that I need my singers to do. It's better if they just do them in rehearsal because if I give it to them as homework, they're not going to do it. <laughs> and each one of them maybe doesn't take that long, but it's important that they complete them, right? So this is a way where you can get them to uh, to complete several different tasks all at once, right? So that's a fourth way that this could be particularly useful. And finally, a fifth way, when you are looking for maybe just a strategy that's a little bit different, uh, more of a self-guided rehearsal strategy where your singers have to be more independent and also giving them the opportunity to collaborate and work with each other and also giving them a little bit uh, more autonomy too yeah as they are working and collaborating with each other so there's five just you know five reasons just to start you know you might be as you're thinking about this you might be coming up with other ways in your brain well this particular strategy might be useful to you in your choir rehearsal but that's just to get us started already five great reasons why we might try this out in our choir rehearsal. So my particular objective with doing stations in my choir this time around, kind of a combination of those uh, situations that I just mentioned. You know, it's at the beginning of the year. And so I wanted to collect, you know, multiple pieces of information from them. Um, I did use this as an opportunity to do some pre-assessment. And so in both my ensemble, 
ensembles. Almost all of the singers are new to me. And so I wanted to see uh, with different musical concepts where they were at currently. And then I can use that information going forward to help craft uh, activities and uh, lessons in rehearsal. Now, you could certainly use this as a way to do some assessment um, and, you know, giving you the opportunity to, to collect some of that data and to be able to formally assess them um, on certain skills, certain concepts. However, I would caution you, you know, <laughs> we have to be very careful we don't create a grading nightmare here, right? And so uh, you want to sort of balance that out if you are going to use that as a way of doing assessment. But for pre-assessment, it's great because you can collect that data. If you're telling the singers, you know, this is not graded. This is just something where I want to see where you are currently on these particular skills and concepts. And it's a little less stressful for them, right? And, you know, I didn't have any issues with them diving in and trying to do their, their very best on that. Sometimes we think, oh, well, it's not graded. They're not going to try very hard. Well, they actually did. Um, and so I didn't see that as, as a problem with that. Um, it is definitely something that I used as a productive activity while I was doing voice placements. And so I simply just use that as one of the stations, right? And so as they're going around the room, and I'll talk about how I spaced it out and the timing of that, but that was simply one of the stations. As they cycled around the room every few minutes, one of the stations they came to was me at the piano. And so uh, I was able to then use that information to place them into their vocal sections. You could certainly use it as a way of doing some sectionals as well. So as you get deeper into the rehearsal process, if you need some time to isolate certain sections of music with particular voice parts, this is a great way of doing it as well. And keeping the other singers uh, productive while you are doing that, right? It's, again, a way to accomplish many different tasks in rehearsal, which I also did. Uh, and then looking for a, a little bit more of a self-guided rehearsal strategy. Now, I did not give them a lot of autonomy this time around. I was just going to test it out and see how they did with that, right? You give them just a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of of freedom, and then see how they do. And then, you know, you can have some discussions with them if they don't do so well. But um, for them, they had to complete every single station, and they were supposed to go in a particular order. I did not let them choose their groups. I did it, you know, numerically uh, by their folder number. Um, and so that also... Uh, limited the issues as far as management goes as well. Now, I will say, I mean, it's a very active process. So if you're thinking that this is going to be something uh, where they are <laughs> just totally uh, silent and, you know, 100% focused, uh, probably not. There is a lot of conversation and a lot of activity, but also some really good collaboration in this as well. And I did allow them, as they are going to these different stations, to work with each other on some of these 
activities and some of these tasks. So speaking of the stations and the tasks that I used, uh, as I mentioned, the first one was doing vocal placement uh, with me at the piano. And so I just used my country tis of thee and we would sing it in three or four keys and then I would just ask them, okay, of these four, you know, different iterations starting at the bottom and then sort of working up in their vocal range, where were they the most comfortable? right? Now, typically, they're going to say the lower ones. And so I would kind of push them a little bit to say, okay, well, maybe this highest one wasn't the most comfortable, but who felt they could still do that consistently on a regular basis, right? And that kind of gives you an idea of where you can fill those upper sections, those high soprano or those high tenor uh, sections in your choir. And so I try to keep the groups to four, maybe five, just so you once you get larger than that, it's really hard to hear individual voices, right? And so going off of that, that's going to kind of uh, help you form how many people do you have in your sections? How many stations are you going to need in order to keep them all at a station, right? Because you're looking at probably four to five minutes per station. I think I started off at six to seven minutes initially, and that was too, that was too long. I think you can, if you've got groups of four to five, then, you know, really making sure that uh, you keep it to four to five minutes. So you need to have enough stations to keep all of those groups occupied, right? And so there's a little math work that you that you need to do there. But really, just as long as you've got enough time to do uh, the vocal placement. And then on these other tasks, if they don't complete the the worksheet or whatever it is, that's okay. I told them, you know what, just get as much done as you possibly can, right? I said, don't stress out about uh, completing it in the time allotted. The biggest thing is that we are keeping them moving, yeah? And so all of that extra information is just uh, kind of icing on the cake, really. But the vocal placement I wanted to complete with them. And then I also had a, I'll talk about here at the end, a Google form that I wanted all of them to complete as well. But anyway, first station was vocal placement. The second one was a pre-assessment on music symbols. And so I had some different music symbols. It was just a 10-question worksheet, and it was all multiple choice. So I had a different music symbol for each question, and then they had to uh, try to identify what that symbol was. So that was the second station. The third station was really pretty easy. It was basically a solfege ladder and hand signs identification. So I talk about it as a solfege ladder or a solfege staircase where they're just going up and down the steps to the different syllables. And that's sort of a way of explaining to them, well, once you get up to do, like that staircase continues, right? It continues re, mi, fa. And when you get down to the bottom to do, that staircase continues 
Chinese down into the basement, Do Ti La So. And so this is just a, a very simple worksheet where they have to fill in the syllables going up and down. I give them one to start with, and they simply have to fill in the syllables going up and down. And then on the back side of it, I have pictures of the hand signs, and then they have to write in what syllable goes with what hand sign. Now, this is very simple because I have all of this information up in my choir rehearsal space. So this is really just um, giving the opportunity uh, for them to think about this process on their own, right? And so very simple, uh, but does make them sort of think through that, that process. Because there are a lot of my singers that come in that don't have a lot of familiarity with solfege or the hand signs. And so giving them some practice on that. So that's station number three. Station number four was on note identification and identifying them by letter name. And so more and more I see singers coming in that really actually struggle with this, even at the high school level. And so I simply have some notes on a, uh, a musical staff for both treble clef and bass clef. And yes, I ask my treble singers to do the bass clef section as well, which they whine about, but that's okay. It's good for them. Um, and if there was any of the stations where um, they maybe didn't quite get finished, it was probably this one. Yeah, and that's totally okay. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but this was one where not all of them finished this particular worksheet in the time allotted. But again, note identification by letter name. Station number five was some really basic music theory and basic by, you know, identifying different types of notes and different types of rests and um, also getting into some dynamic markings on this worksheet as well. So again, 10 questions, multiple choice. Each one has an image, and so they're just identifying uh, what's in that particular image. So very basic uh, music theory for number five. Number six was in identifying notes with soulfish. Now, when we do note identification with soulfish, that's sort of, it's got several steps to that process. In this process, I'm really narrowing it down for them because I want to see if given dough uh, on a particular staff in a particular example, can they then identify other notes with a solfege syllable. And so all this is, is there are 10 examples. Each example has two music notes. And in each example, the first note is exactly the same. So for each example, for instance, the first note is E. I tell them the first note is Do. Okay, and then the second note, they then, in each example, they then give an E as being Do, they have to identify that second note with the appropriate syllable. So I'm doing multiple steps of the process for them. I just really want to see, can they go up and down by step with the, the soulfish ladder, the soulfish staircase, and identify that second note with the appropriate syllable. That's really... Uh, all that I'm asking them to do. 
So trying to narrow it down, and that helps them to accomplish this in the time allotted as well. I know if they can't do that, then I basically have to start at ground zero as far as um, identifying notes on the musical staff with Soulfish. So that was station number six. And then I talked a little bit about it previously, but station number seven, the Get to Know You Google Form. So this is where I am collecting data for them and just getting to know them better about some of their favorite things, some of their likes, some of their dislikes. Um, also things like uh, what are their preferred pronouns, you know, things like that. And so of the seven stations, you know, the first one, of course, in my mind was vocal placement. I wanted to get that done so that I could place them in sections and start learning uh, concert repertoire. But the second thing was for the Google form. Now this one, I actually had a QR code that led them right to the Google form and all of my students have Chromebooks. And so they um, just come along and with the camera app on their Chromebook, they scan the QR code and it takes them right to the Google form. And then once they fill it out, then all of that data goes right into a Google spreadsheet. So very easy to collect that data, very easy for them to utilize. You could certainly do uh, a paper questionnaire, um, but this you know saves that paper um, and allows me to have all of that data right in that one Google sheet. So really easy for me to access and organize once we're collecting all of that. So that was station number seven. So talking a little bit more about the logistical aspect of this. So as I mentioned with those vocal placements, you know, you want to keep it to four to five students, singers per group, right? And I don't think you want to go any more than that. Otherwise, it's hard to hear individual voices when you are doing that vocal placement. And so then you also need to make sure that you've got enough stations where each group has something to do, right? It's okay to have too many stations, but you don't want to ever get into a position uh, from a classroom management standpoint where uh, there's a group that doesn't have anything to do, right? So keeping the stations relatively short, four to five minutes, you know, uh, I, you know, I think I started at six to seven minutes and that was probably too long. So keeping it four to five minutes, I could get that placement uh process done in that allotted time. And that was also enough time where they could complete each task. You know, other than the note identification by letter name, some got done with that, some didn't. And that was okay. I told them, you know, this is a pre-assessment. I am using this just to gather data. It's not something that you're graded on. So if you don't complete it, that's okay. Just put your name on the sheet and leave it there and then go on to the next one. And that helped to lower the stress level a little bit too. At the same time, you know, you're going to be using all of this information as data points. You want to make sure that you're keeping these different tasks short as well too, right? Because you don't want to spend years and years going through all of this. So keeping things short and sweet at each station, right? So it's a little bit of, of a, a math issue, right? <laughs> a time issue. You've got to have enough stations to keep everyone occupied. The timing of it, you know, keeping it short, how much time do you have uh, in your actual class, you know, 
making sure that each group has enough time uh, to get through every station, but also making sure that everyone is occupied and that you've got time to do those placements if you are doing that as well. So timing it all out. Yeah, it takes a little bit of uh, some some brainstorming and a little bit of figuring out to make the logistical part of that work. Now, as far as the physical part of the logistics, I did a short video of the physical setup for running stations in my rehearsal space. And I give a little tour of the different stations and how physically it was all working this time around. So if if you'd like to check that out, you can head over to my YouTube channel and take a look at that and see what my setup for this time around was like. To find me over on YouTube, you can simply do a search for Choir Director Corner. That's the easy way to find my channel. Or I will also put a link to my YouTube channel over in the show notes of this episode for you. Well, my friends, that is it for today's episode. I hope today's episode has inspired you to try out stations in your choir rehearsal. There's lots of different ways that you can do this and really make it a productive activity in your choir rehearsal. And it's such a valuable tool in your rehearsal toolbox. So I hope you will brainstorm and give it a try and tweak it to however it best fits your needs. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications of all the awesome episodes that we have coming up. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you would do me a favor and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star rating and review, that will help other choir directors to find the podcast and help me in my goal of serving as many choir directors as possible. And if you are a choir director that is looking for helpful resources, one resource you need to check out is the Choir Director Corner Community Membership, which you can find over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. You now have the option of signing up on an annual plan, which gives you 12 months of access for the price of 10. And coming up very soon, I'm going to be rolling out a sight reading curriculum. And this is going to be available to all of our members that sign up on this annual option. It's going to be a year-long sight reading curriculum. It's going to include sight reading examples, going to be including some different activities that you can use in your rehearsal, as well as even some gamification aspects that you can include in this. And so again, that's going to be rolling out here in the very near future to all of the members on this annual option because it is going to be uh, a year-long program that I am designing. So again, to find out more about that, go to choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. Well, thanks so much for listening, my friends. And until next time, keep being awesome. Are you looking for resources that will save you time and frustration? Want to dive deeper into topics related to your teaching? Then check out the Choir Director Corner Community Membership over at choirdirectorcorner.com forward slash membership. <laughs>